Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The US dollars decline. The NFL is rigged. And the RNC hates you. One thing and one thing only could that mean. And it is a truth or fiction Tuesday. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. And this is, of course, Critical Thinking. Good truth or fiction Tuesday to you, Mr. Pat Oni. How are you today? It's Tuesday. It's morning. Mm-hmm. So, meh. As you are every morning, meh. <coughs> yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Um, so first things first, a little bit of housekeeping, uh, just to let everybody know, next Tuesday, I believe, that's the 7th, right, if I'm doing my math correct, um, next Tuesday and Wednesday, I will be off. Um, I'm just having a minor knee surgery done, um, so I'm going to be off um for just a couple of days um pat may or may not do a solo show um give him some practice we'll see you know that's hurtful that you would you would say that that you doubt me i already Um, told you i would right but i'm not i wasn't sure if things had changed yet because we hadn't discussed it Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Now, with that all having been said, so I just want to get that out of the way. So a week from now, it'll be Pat uh, solo for just a couple of days. Hopefully, it'll only be a couple of days before I can get back to uh, doing the show. Luckily, it doesn't require a lot of movement on my part. So (laughs) I think it's just more recovering from the anesthesia and whatnot. But um, but yeah, that all being said, it is a truth or fiction Tuesday here on the program. So um, with that being said, Pat, you want your truth or you want your first truth or fiction or my first truth or fiction to go first? Uh, well, you know, uh, age before beauty. Okay, so then we are going to go with my truth or fiction first. And my first truth or fiction is that the GOP proved it hates it hates its base over the weekend. The GOP proved it hates its base over the weekend. Before I answer this question, um, in what way did they prove that they hate their base over the weekend? They're very simple, Pat. Mm-hmm. Rona McDaniel is still the chairperson of the RNC. Uh, 
in which case, uh, yeah, I, I, I would say this is 100% truth. I, I mean, I would have said this was truth anyway, despite mm-hmm. that. Yep. Um, because, I, I mean, we've said it for a long time. The only the only um, party that, that hates you as much as the Democrats, if not more than the Democrats, is the GOP. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, if you want to keep doing the same thing over and over again, you keep putting the same people in place. Which is what the GOP tends to do. I mean, look at the freaking midterm elections for Pete Six. Mm-hmm. So, and, and yeah, over the weekend, so. the a Republican National Conference happened, and and they voted on a new chairperson. Or, well, we thought they might give us a new chairperson. I mean, Pat, if you continue to lose market share disappoint your shareholders um if you continue to underperform expectations from a standpoint of quarterly earnings like let's say you did that i don't know four quarters in a row do you think you would continue to be the ceo of that company hell no why it, it would be well because you have a fiduci- fiduciary duty to to your shareholders. Mm-hmm. If you are not making a profit and mm-hmm. meeting certain goals and expectations for those shareholders, that board's going to replace you as CEO eventually. Mm-hmm. And and I want to be clear on this. I'm not I'm not talking about them constantly making a profit or anything like that. What I am talking about is the inability to meet an expectation. And right. So, right now, Pat, Kevin McCarthy is the top on top of the heap in the in the house. The house, yes, flipped, but it was going to anyway. It barely hung on to the point where we had a fifteen historic fifteen vote marathon four day session for Speaker of the House. Okay, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen if Team GOP gets a thirty vote lead. Okay. Number two, Mitch McConnell is the uh, Senate Republican leader, the minority leader in the Senate. Right. So that's number two. Right. After it was expected that they would likely take a three to four vote victory and become the majority in the Senate during the 2022 election cycle. In three, Rona McDaniel was the head of the Republican National Committee, right? She's the chairperson of the RNC throughout the 2022 election cycle. Throughout the 2020 election cycle. She won 111 to 55 to 4. She beat Harmeet Dillon. And then also Mike Lindell ran. I, don't ask me why, but Mike Lindell run, ran and got four votes. What possible message could the Republican National Committee or conference or the RNC send to its people other than we hate you? Well, I, I think it's not just that they hate you. It's that they are also very divided. They can't. They they aren't really How? unified. How? Well, I mean, if you're if you are putting in candidates like Mike Lindell and, and and others, you know, 
then you've got a lot of people that that feel very very differently within the Republican Party that they can't coalesce. But you really don't. I, I guess that's true if you look at numbers. You really don't. Yeah. You don't have a house divided. If you had a house divided, this would have gone to a third or a fourth or a fifth vote. Okay, that's true. That's that's a fair. This point. went to a symbolic second vote, and mm -hmm. why? Because you had to have had um, not just a majority, but a uh, but a certain threshold met, in which right. case they, Ron McDaniel did it in the second vote. Right. Now, in the process, Pat, we also have all of the evidence needed because people like Charlie Kirk and, and other watchdogs were paying attention to what was going on. They were attempting to whip votes for Harmie Dillon. They were attempting to get involved in the process and were told what? I don't care about you. I don't care about what the base has to say. This is a literal quote. I don't care about the base and what they have to say. This is my vote and I'm going to do what I want. In some respects, yeah, that's right. But in other respects, you are representative of a specific part of the Republican National Conference. Okay. You were elected to your position to represent not just yourself, but to represent the constituents of the Republican Party in which you were elected to this position. So what have we talked about, Pat, when it comes to restore and reviving liberty? One of the things that we have talked about is to shine a light. Another way yeah. to put this would be to expose, 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 and confront, confront, confront. What did people like Charlie Kirk and others do? They confronted, they exposed these people for exactly who they are. And at some point in time, after shining that light, it is on you, it is on me, it is on every single person to pay any sort of attention. Now, I, in the 2004 election, I volunteered and did some work for the George W. Bush re-election campaign because I felt like John Kerry was an absolute danger to our country. And I think that was very much proven out by how batshit crazy he has become since, right? Right. Okay. Ever since then, though, I have never, I have never in my entire life given a single dollar or a dime or any time to any Republican anywhere. The only other thing that I have ever done was in the 2012 election where it was Mitt Romney running. I went to the Mitt Romney-Paul Ryan rally in Waukesha, Wisconsin, because I was still living in Wisconsin at the time. It was my last few years there. And that was our hometown boy, right? Right. Paul Ryan getting a chance on that kind of a stage, you don't see it very often. So I'm going to go watch something pretty historic. Um, they were making that announcement in that run in Waukesha, and it was really cool to be a part of and, and see and, and pay attention to. But beyond those two things, I have never done anything with Team GOP. And why? Because I don't trust it as far as I can throw it. And, it, and, it, and this is something that I was exposed to back in 2000, Pat, when we had an issue as college Republicans. Um, and it was a it was a large issue dealing with our student government. OK, mm -hmm. and 
the absolute cheating that went on in that election. Um, the the rigging of the game, the disqualifications, the um, the weird way in which the rules were or weren't applied to specific groups of people based upon their political leanings. So you think things are batshit now? They were that way 23 years ago, Pat. And what was the RNC's response? We went to the Lincoln, uh, the Lincoln Day uh, dinner. Um, you know, every Republican has every Republican, you know, local chapter has it right. And there we met um, one of the high powered attorneys that would have been able to have taken this case on. Right. Pro, pro bono, obviously, because one, the Republican Party and two, because college Republicans don't have money. And they wanted to take this fight on. What ends up happening? Um. We can't take this fight on because um, somebody else in our law firm um, helps to represent the UW system board. We're not asking you to take on the university. We're asking you to take on the student government and the college Democrats. <laughs> they didn't want to take it on because it would have been what? politically damaging to them going forward if they were to lose this case, right? Take right. on the system and lose. They don't want to do it. They didn't care about things being done correctly. Hey, I lost fair and square or, or we all lost fair and square. Cool. Totally great, grand, wonderful, except for there are 19 people running and 24 seats available. How'd that happen, Right. So I've right. been exposed to this my entire adult life, okay? So I know that the jig is up. <laughs> I know that these people hate their base more than the Democrats hate the Republican base. I know that they won't lift a finger. But what you saw this past weekend with the ability for Harmit, uh, Harmit Dillon and the people that were working behind the scenes like Charlie Kirk and others to activate that group and to whip that group up was the absolute hatred they have for you. They have them on record. They have them in tweets. They have them in multiple uh, scenarios. Literally saying, we don't care about our base. Yet, multitudes of you today right, will respond to an email from Rona McDaniel celebrating her victory and, and getting a second term or third term or whatever as the RNC chair and we'll send her $100 to the RNC, right? You'll send $100 to your local team GOP. Why? We just exposed them. And you look at the Bible, you look at other historic works. One of the biggest lessons is exposure, right? Shining the light on corruption, on greed. Ultimately, the story of Jesus Christ and his resurrection is exposure, right? That's one of the themes he exposes the Jewish people, 
the Pharisees, the Sadducees, right? He exposes their corruption. He exposes the people of that day and age. So shining a light is important, but what you do with that information is equally important. The story isn't that by resurrection, Jesus Christ is now known to the 12 disciples to be true. No, the story of Jesus Christ's resurrection is much deeper than that. It has much more meaning than that. Billion-plus people on this earth have been saved because of that resurrection today. What do you do with this information? If not, move in a different direction. And that means choking the RNC off of their cash cow. Now, are they going to be able to donate and do the donor class thing and all that? That's fine. But the real rub of this is you actually do have the power. Because if you don't activate yourself, if you don't pay them any sort of money, the largest donations they usually get are $500, and those are individual donations, Pat. You and I donating $500 to the RNC during an election cycle. The average personal donation to the RNC during an election cycle is something like $100. So if you stop activating, if you stop giving them your money, if you stop volunteering your time to elect their candidates, if you stop being the grassroots, what what are they going to do? What what are they going to do? They're not going to get a Donald Trump or a Ron DeSantis or anybody else elected next time around. No, I think this goes back to to the polls. I think this goes back to your your theory of of the GOP is dead. This is more the only way that the GOP really dies is on its own vine, and it's doing it to itself. Which I think you're. I cannot it play out think here, of anything more powerful than the three headed monster of the party, being Rona McDaniel, Mitch McConnell, and Kevin McCarthy, who have lost and lost and lost, and lost. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of losing, and it's why I love the fight that Chip Roy and, and the other holdouts um, got, with, got into with Kevin McCarthy and his ilk. Great example of this, right? Mike Gallagher, kind of the, the right-hand man, if you will, right, of, of Kevin McCarthy from my former district back in Wisconsin. They get done with this fight, and what is Mike Gallagher doing? Jetting on a plane to Davos. What do you, you are from Green Bay, effing Wisconsin. What are you doing in Davos, Switzerland? At the World Economic Forum. To the people of Green Bay, Wisconsin, is that what that represents? Oh, hell no. He went to eat the bugs. It's about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, people, I hope you understand. I hope you understand that that is where we need to be, is we need to 
not only take that thing that was given to us, that proof, right? All of the statements, all of the votes, all of the things that took place over this weekend from the Republican National Conference or convention, okay? All of the things that took place this weekend, they all point in one direction. The people, quote unquote, in power, believe them to be all powerful. They don't care about you. They don't care about your money. They don't care about your vote. They don't care about any of it. If not now, when are you going to wake up yourself? If not now, when do you force their hand and make them bow to you? Instead, you continue to bow to them. That is That ended a long time ago for me. I Like I said, that's why I, I bring up that story. It's much more complicated than you would believe, but the reality of the story of that 2000 stupid student government election was that you got the inside baseball as an 18-year-old. You understood the inside baseball that goes on in the political world on that small minute of a level. If they're willing to do that to that small minute of a level, what do you think you're doing on a national level? That was 23 years ago, people. It hasn't changed one bit. What did we what did I say to myself about the Tea Party movement heading into the 2012 election, right? Heading into 2011, that the GOP will just co-opt it. They'll they'll see it as a branding opportunity and and uh, they'll brand it away, they'll use all the buzzwords and mean none of it. And they meant none of it, and they used all the buzzwords and literally co-opted the Tea Party. Have they done anything that the Tea Party would like us to do in the last decade? No. No. So at some point in time, it, it, yes, shining a light is important, but it is what you do with that information to make some change that also matters. You can't just shine a light and then walk away. It's shining a light has a purpose. Exposure has a purpose. What are you willing to do to act upon that exposure of that evil? Because for me, that's what this is. There's nothing more evil than saying, I, I'm elected to this position by my local, and I don't give a bleep about those people. I'm better than you. All right. With that said, Pat, um, I think we need to go to your first one because this one's a little more fun. Pat's first truth or fiction is... The NFL is rigged. No. No. Okay, I, I mean, I, I agree with you, but but what what is your reasoning? We got the two best teams in the in the Super Bowl because they were the two best teams. Despite all the bad officiating in both games? I would argue for the Philadelphia-San Francisco game, yes. That's absolutely true. I mean, because you take away you take away the 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 not catch from Devonta Smith in the beginning of the game, then yeah, you you have a twenty you still have a twenty four seven game. Wait 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 wait. You don't believe that that was a catch? Uh, from the replay, that was a catch. The ball the ball came out at the end. No. Yeah. 
And uh, and Pat, before we go any further, I have a a, a bonus for you. Uh-huh. What is on the screen right now, Pat? What is on the screen? That is Mahomes and what's his bucket on the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. And uh-huh. as we look at that, Pat. Uh-huh. What else is there? Um what else is there, Andrew? Um Pat Mahomes is how far out of bounds? About a foot, foot and a half. A foot? Mm-hmm. Okay, so first of all, you need to know that the uh that sideline situation is yeah. about four to five uh well, it's about two yards wide. Okay. Okay, so he's probably pushing not quite a yard. About four feet. Yeah. He's at least two steps out of bounds as he hits him square in the back. Oh, come on. You see plays like this all the time, and they don't call this. No, you don't. Yeah, you do. No, I've I've never seen it not called, especially with a quarterback. That, that was the dumbest thing that this guy could have done. Second of all, he already mm. knew the guy was going out of bounds. Sam, the, the if you watch the play, the other part of this is that Sam Hubbard, right, should have right. been the guy making the tackle. So this guy should have just went, eh, I'm good. I don't need to do that because either one or two things is happening. He's going out of bounds or where, Sam Hubbard's where, making the where, tackle. Where, where was Sam Hubbard here? Sam Hubbard in yeah. this picture? I'll, I'll yeah. show you, Pat. He is number 94 who had already tripped himself. Ah. Uh. He, he had already forced him into this situation. So Sam Hubbard is on the ground, right? With the NFL being rigged. Sam Hubbard is on the ground because mm-hmm. he had already forced that play to the sideline. Look, look, I agree with you. I agree with you that the NFL is not rigged. However, the freaking mulligan that happened in this game shouldn't have happened. Yeah, I mean... I'm, yeah, that, it that's, was, a, that's an inexcusable was, situation in a championship game. Absolutely. They also missed a big roughing the passer call on Joe Burrow in that game. That is also true. But but they're going to miss calls. They're going to miss calls. They're humans, right? Well, no, I, I but, agree but with the you. Issue, but the issue, the broader game. issue for me is the NFL refuses to do the one thing that would change this. What's that? Make these full-time employees. So the, the referees? The referees are part-time employees. Well, they have jobs outside of this. And why this would matter is they have the opportunity to um to hone their craft even more than they do currently. The NFL can take them and here's how we want you to officiate a game, right? Mm-hmm. And the other part that has bothered me is and and this is a point that other people have been making. It's one thing to get it wrong on the field and be able to correct it with replay, right? Right. Except for when replay still gets it wrong. What well, what's the point? And it's how this is all set up. I don't believe the NFL to be rigged. I believe that the NFL's system itself is set up so that 
let's just put it this way. The, 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 the larger problem that I have with the way the NFL system is currently set up is that it is not a beneficiary to the most successful teams. It's mm-hmm. to the benefit of the hottest team. Meaning you take a look at the 49ers, right? They were not the best team throughout the year. That goes to no, the Eagles or the Chiefs, right? Mm. But it rewards the hottest team. Now, the 49ers got unhot by, you know, Brock Purdy tearing his UCL and then still going out and throwing a pass, by the way, which is incredible now that we know what that injury was. Right. I mean, he tore a tendon, a ligament in his elbow. One that um, can end pitchers' careers, by the way. So yeah, I mean that he, that's a six month recovery at least. At least, mm-hmm. I have a sub truth or fiction for this. Oh boy! Um, and this actually comes in the wake of I don't know if you saw this or not the Celtics Lakers game that happened over the weekend. It, there's um, another rule in sports for me, Pat. I don't watch the NBA. Don't, don't watch the NBA. Well, I, I I don't watch the NBA either. I just happened to see the clip of this. Mm. And I probably should have sent it to you, but LeBron LeBron James got fouled at the very end of the game, and it was a no call. It was a clear foul, <clears throat> and you know it, it cost him two foul shots to potentially win the game. It went, instead, went into overtime. That being said, where, where I'm going with this isn't necessarily on LeBron James or or the NBA or anything like that, or even even the NFL. But when you criticize refs, you tend to get fined. Right. The NBA since came out and said, yeah, we screwed that up. Um, and, and and yet nothing happens to the refs on that, at least as far as I know. My sub truth or fiction here is when it's verified that you've screwed up, you should be able to criticize the refs all you want without getting fined for it. No. Why? So. I. I. I've as, I've always ascribed myself to this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, did the refs cost you to miss those two shots two minutes ago? That would have won you the game too. No. Okay, so you can go, you can play ifs and buts and candy and nuts with every call, with every move, with every missed mm-hmm. shot, with every missed rebound, with every this and every that throughout the entire game. That's why you play a game. Mm-hmm. But secondly, here's where I think this gets misconstrued. The issue is not being able to criticize the refs. The issue is what is the penalty to the officials for missing this call or 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 misapplying the rule, right? Or mm-hmm. in the NFL situation, the mulligan that the was mulligan. given, right? Right. What what is the what is the discipline for that? Because we would know what that discipline would be for a player who. You know, like a Trent Williams situation, right, uh, where he had enough of the guy just not letting go of Debo Samuel's face mask and just slams him to the ground. I mean, he did the right thing for his teammate. He knew what he was doing, right? He's going right. to accept that, right? Or that illegal hit out of bounds, right? The NFL announces a $15,000 fine or $100,000 fine here or whatever have you, right? So mm-hmm. we know. We have no idea what the discipline is to any of these officials for any of the things that that went wrong in this game. Are they being demoted? Do you see any of them getting fired at the end of the season? Vast majority of them, no. Most no. of them, most of them, if they're leaving, they leave on their own free will. 
right? We don't see him being demoted. We don't see him getting fined a week's salary. We don't we don't see them um, being suspended for a week or three weeks or half a season or whatever have you, right? And you bring in that that pool, right? We we have no idea what the discipline is for for officials who make blatantly obvious wrong calls. None. Is there? We know that there's a report, right? That's written up on the game and the officials, but there's no backbone behind it. It's here's what you screwed up, and here, you, okay, great. But there's no consequence. None. What is your consequence? Oh, you're not gonna. I got to the NFC or AFC championship game, but I'm not doing the Super Bowl this year. So what? Yeah. <laughs> There's only I, seven I, or eight of you, right? That Or nine of you that are going to get to do that. whoop de mm. freaking do I, I guess my point is this. is like, like, look, like, I, I, get, I get your point about criticizing the refs. But at some point, like, like, I think they need to be more transparent. Like, is there a penalty for these for these guys when they screw right. things up? Right. That's been my point for years is that this is where the NFL and the NBA and NHL and stuff need to go is being more transparent with the discipline that they're handing out or not handing out or how they're handling these situations so that they don't happen again. Right. Um, because there's no reason for that mulligan to have happened. In that yeah, game. I mean, well, there is. The, the reason being that the clock inadvertently started. Right. There was a reason why it happened. It was ridiculous that it happened because of the fact that the ball had already been snapped. Right. That you could have given the nine seconds back on the next play. You could have gone back and said, hang on a second. We were nine seconds. We rolled the clock for nine seconds when we shouldn't have. That there's your remedy on the field in the moment. Right. 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 All right. All that aside. There also has to be a modicum of respect for um, between officials and players. Right. True. I agree. And that goes both ways, by the way. Absolutely. It does. It 100 yeah. percent goes both ways. And what happens to officials who abuse that type, their their level of authority in the game? They're usually gone. Right. Or they're not doing the games for this team for a while or that team for a while. Right. They're mm. going to they're going to move them around and make sure that that <clears throat> can be avoided. My larger point is that. What what do you have? What good is gained by getting up in front of a camera and criticizing an official? Look, I played at a pretty decent level when it comes to uh, to the world of soccer here in America. Okay, growing up, I played at a pretty decent level. There were some awful officials. I mean, there was one time where a, a teammate of mine almost had his foot broken because because another player was pissed that he didn't get the ball. And just hauled off and cracked him for no reason, right in the foot as he was uh, clearing a ball on defense. And my teammate, who nearly had his foot broken for real, like mm. he couldn't play for another two weeks because of the bruising and, and the things that happened to his foot. Okay. He ended up with the yellow card for swearing, for saying bleep. Well, I would have done that too. That's a pretty natural reaction when your foot almost got taken off, right? And throughout the game, the officiating was so biased and so terrible. There's one thing, there's one thing of 
in private on your way home in the car, you know, talking junk. Like, I can't believe that official did that to us or whatever. And another thing to start a fight with an official. Right. In the moment or to right. or to. um, Go before, you know, whoever in the media right after that and and just blast the ever loving crap out of it. It's respect goes both ways and the respect in, in, I think it's twofold here. Number one, the official should be available to the media. And number two, um, we need the transparency of discipline that happens. That, that, that fixes this situation all day, every day. It really does. Because the media should be able to ask these questions and not, not get canned responses from the NFL, right? Because the NFL is going to hand out a response on Tuesday, right? We see it all the time. Well, this is why this was done, blah, 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 blah. That's not good enough. Let me hear from the official as to why they called what they called or how they saw what they saw, right? I need to, I, that like, that is relevant information to the game. It would be helpful to alleviate the situation in terms of criticism when you actually know the perspective of the other individual involved in the situation. But what is what what happens is they they put them into a box, right? And they're not going to speak, or or they'll send somebody from the NFL officiating crew to speak post game, and they'll just speak in the platitudes and and legalese of the NFL rule book. They won't actually speak to what was going down on the field. Just stupid. All right. So, uh, your thoughts there, Pat? <coughs> well, I mean. <clears throat> I, I I agree in the sense of yeah, let's make it more transparent and you know let's 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 have a level of accountability there um, because right now, as far as I can tell, and this isn't just apply to the NFL. This is as far as I can tell applies to all sports. Um, it, it, having a level of accountability for the for the officials, which there just doesn't seem to be any. Um. You know, and you know when because like and a lot of times when the criticism of the ref comes up and in, in on the camera, oftentimes sometimes these guys get asked about these things on camera. So, I I, I think there has to be a balance here somewhere. I get what you're saying. Um, <clears throat> I remember, you know, because I did I did the um, stats book for the boys basketball team back in high school. Um, I did it for the freshman JV and varsity teams. And I remember on the, on, on the varsity team one night, there was big game, uh, division rival, you know, kind of, it was a game to determine who's going to win the division basically. Right. I watched, you know, our, the point guard for our, our team virtually get body slammed on the floor and the officials looking right at it. Cause it's right in front of me. The officials in front of me, he sees it. No call. Mm -hmm. And then natural reaction, our point guard, you know, kind of slams the floor with his hand getting up because he he looks at our coach like, what the heck? Like, and then in our coach is yelling at the ref and stuff like that, too. Like, how, how do you miss that call? Well, as soon as, you know, our point guard slams his hand on the floor, he gets a technical foul. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how are you officiating this game? It just it, things like that, like like watch. It's it's an abuse of power, in my opinion, 
from the officials when when officials do stuff like that um it's a very biased thing and they're just i think there could be i think there are other ways that this could be addressed and um things that could be done i don't think the nfl is rigged i don't think i don't really think any sport is rigged per se but i do think that official there are certain officials that will abuse their power and that just needs to be made more transparent yeah of course and there needs to be a removal process that is understandable to the to the public and and why does this matter <clears throat> it really matters to the confidence you have in in the game's not rigged at the end of the day, it's entertainment, right? And a lot of people are betting right. on this. A lot of there's a lot of money changing hands every Sunday on an NFL yep. game, yep. right? There is. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times do we see that 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 one was it the Rams game where the guy bet and he had a chance at two million? No, it wasn't the Rams games. It was the uh, oh, what game was it? The Titans and Jaguars was it? Oh, uh, I don't know. There was a game where a guy had two million dollars on the line. On like a five thousand dollar bet, was this at the end of the season? Yeah, it was at the end of the season, and all they needed was a touchdown instead of a field goal or whatever. Or no, all they needed was the field goal, and instead um, they ended up uh, turning the ball over in the end zone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> at the end of the game, and got screwed out of two million dollars. Damn! All the more reason why I don't gamble, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. All right, so with that being said, Pat, I think it's time for us to play a little bit of the beer, not the beer. Are you ready for that? Let's do it. All right, so today's headline for the beer, not the beer, is Marie Kondo says she's kind of given up on tidying after having her third child. Marie Kondo says she's kind of given up on tidying after having her third child. While you are thinking about this headline, Pat, uh, do not forget, folks, that you can go get great coffee without the side of politics over at coffeebrandcoffee.com. Again, coffeebrandcoffee.com. These are small batch roasted, uh, fresh for you, put into the package, delivered directly to you, and uh, away you go. They have amazing flavors. It's all fresh. It's not stuff just sitting in in a bin waiting for it to be, you know, roasted a month later. You know, it's all boom, boom, boom. Fresh made-to-order coffee for you over at coffeebrandcoffee.com. Enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKING at checkout for 5% off. Again, that's coffeebrandcoffee.com. Promo code CRITICALTHINKING. 5% off. All right. Do you need the headline one more time? One more time. Marie Kondo says she's kind of given up on tidying after having her third child. Okay. First of all, who in the hell is that? You don't know who Marie Kondo is? No. She's like, so she hosts like a big time radio show, first of all, on the weekends. Second of all, she um, is one of the pioneers of the organization uh, movement in the home. She is like, she has a very big Netflix series, Pat. Like, she is an absolute star. Okay. So uh, I'm that, gonna I'm gonna guess that you need to Marie Kondo your house. That's gonna be my guess because you uh, don't know who Marie Kondo is. That that's gonna be up to the wife, but um, kind of like the same. I mean, if, if we're gonna go down this road, I'm gonna go with not to be, even though I have no idea. 
Yeah, you are correct. This is not the bee. After years of convincing people all over the world to declutter their homes and lives by purging anything that doesn't spark joy, Marie Kondo admits that now that she has three kids, her perspective on tidying up has changed. Up until now, I was a professional tidier, so I did my best to keep my home tidy at all times. I've kind of given up on that in a good way for me. Now I realize what is important to me is enjoying spending time with my children at home. I had assumed all this time that Marie Kondo was a grandma with lots of life experience to draw from, but she's actually only 38 years old and just gave birth to her third child in 2021. No wonder she was an expert on keeping a tidy home. She had years of childless adulthood to perfect the art of tidying before it all came crashing down. Kondo was only 27 when her book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, took the world by storm. And while I'm all for keeping a tidy house, it's kind of hilarious that moms everywhere were looking to a single woman in her 20s for life and housekeeping advice. As somebody pointed out, it brings me profound joy that Marie Kondo just Marie Kondoed Marie Kondo from her life because it no longer brought her joy. <laughs> Kondo went on wow. to talk about her life has uh, changed, saying, quote, my home is messy, but the way I'm spending my time is the right way for me at this time at this stage of my life. Her standard of messy is probably still what the rest of us call clean, but it's good to know that even Marie Kondo can't keep up with all the housework when she has three young children to clean up after. But good for her for being honest and realistic about her changing life stages. Even if she did spend the past, uh, even she, even if she did spend the last twelve years making everyone in the entire world feel bad about their lives. Good point. And and, and I brought this up because I think this is a great example of um, we don't know everything, nor should we, right? Like, right. You can take the advice of of any Joe Schmo out there, and that's fine, that's dandy, that's great, that's grand, that's wonderful, but. You need to figure out what works best for your life and let it be. And I try to practice that as much as I can. Uh, it's not easy. It is not easy for me to just let things be because that's just not in my nature per se. But I also know that I need to practice controlling the things that I can control. And then get mad at the Packer game or the Badger game. <laughs> As I, I, can I, I can relate to those things, yeah. All right. With that being said, Pat, yours, uh, let's go with my second truth or fiction. Sound good to you? Sounds good to me. Are, are, are you sure about that? Um, I mean, yeah. Okay. So my second truth or fiction is that the U.S. dollar will cease being the world's reserve currency within a decade. That's right, folks. The U.S. will no longer be the world's reserve currency within a decade. Ooh, you better hope that's fiction. Why? You better hope that that's fiction. However, I'm going to go with truth. Okay, so so um, why do I have to hope that that's fiction? Because if if we devalue the dollar, doesn't that tank our economy? Is it devaluing the dollar? In I, I would I would say in some respects at least yes. Okay. So, okay. So then, why do you believe this to be truth, though? Why do you believe that it's going to cease to exist as the reserve currency for the world in because the next decade? With, with the way the globalist movement is going, at, you know they're they're you trying conspiracy to, theorist. 
Why are you using conspiracy theory terms like globalist? Like a globalist. You, Alex you know Jones, conspiracy you, theorist, you? You, you? you will eat some bugs. Now, Bilderberg. Uh, Turn the freaking frogs gay. Where, where, I'm, where I'm going with this is, you know, there are those out there that are trying to create a more, shall we say, global currency where there is one global currency. And if that happens, if we follow, th- if, if the world follows through with that agenda, what good is the dollar? Unless that dollar, by the way, happens to be the world currency. Yeah, that's true. And I think this is true as well. And it has grand implications for our society. And it's why I firmly believe investing in tangible assets is going to be the the place that you need to be going forward. So things like vacation homes or if you can uh, invest in real estate. You can invest in gold and silver. Invest in things that are tangible that will always have some value to them. That's that's going to be your key going forward because if you're investing in paper, whether that's through your 401k, your IRA, whether that's through a stock market account or whatever have you, right? We've been I, – I believe that it can be part of the equation. I always have. But if you are putting all of the eggs in the basket of your 401k, you're insane. And here's why, because you're at the whim of what the government will or won't pay out at the end of that. You think that that's your money, but it's really not. It's only your money when you go to take it out. And if the dollar collapses, that 401k is collapsing. You know what won't necessarily collapse? The value of a home. It might go down, right, from what you've paid for, but you still have a value to it. Whereas if you put a, let's say you put a, here, here in Chicago, right, the average single-family home in the city is $1.5 million. Let's just say that, okay? Mm-hmm. Maybe that goes down to $750,000. Have you lost 50% of your value? Correct. Allegedly. That's only if you go to sell it. It's just like the stock market in that respect. It, it, the value of that is only what it is when you sell it. It doesn't right. matter what you paid for it. It matters what you sold it for. And, again, the only time it really does matter what you paid for it is if you've paid in full, Okay. If you've got a mortgage, it's just like a stock. It is only as good as what you traded in for, right? So that being said, you still have value. If you put that in the stock market and the stock market goes absolutely topsy-turvy tomorrow and you are retiring tomorrow, it could be worth zero. It could be worth nothing. Nothing but the paper it was written on before. So mm-hmm. at least you have something of intrinsic value that people are going to want to consume, okay? Housing, do, do, do the basics, right? Food, housing, shel- you know, food, shelter, clothing, those types of things people are going to need and want. These are the things you need to invest in. Find ways to invest in. Find ways to invest in a farm. Um, do those types of things that you can do for yourself. Right? Or investing in gold or semiconductor stuff, right? Precious metals, Things that are going to have all time value to them. That's the route that you need to go. But the reason I believe this to be true, Pat, is because if you pay attention to why we are still the world's reserve currency 
it is because largely OPEC, aka Saudi Arabia, right, mm-hmm. has been playing ball with us for 50 plus years, right? And they have demanded trading in OPEC. So if you were to go buy a barrel of oil from OPEC, okay, you can't mm-hmm. just use like the Russian ruble, right? Or the the um or the euro, right? You can't just trade it in. What you have to do is go to a bank virtually, right? This all happens simultaneously. You have to go to a bank, you have to exchange whatever currency that is for US dollar, then pay OPEC in US dollars. It's called the petrodollar, right? Right. Okay. But lately, um if you take a look at um what has gone on, okay? In 2017, Brandon Smith published an article titled Saudi Coup Signals War in the New World Order Reset. And that's because uh, Mohammed bin Salman, right, is the king. And what you need to know about Saudi Arabia and its politics and, and all of these things is important here. What you need to know is that Saudi Arabia, before... um. Before MBS, okay, before him, its power structure had three or four different, not necessarily families, but like uh, factions of of the family, okay, Hmm. all holding almost equal power. Like one was the defense ministry, one had the, the industry, one had the political power, the other, right? So all things were balanced, basically, okay? I can make the argument that they weren't great people, blah, blah, blah. That's it's not the point. The point is that the power structure was divided. It is now consolidated in the hands of King uh, Mohammed bin Salman. Okay? And what he has been signaling is that there's a change in the relationship between Saudi Arabia and the United States. Back in 2017, Brandon Smith wrote this. To understand how drastic this coup has been, consider this. For decades, king, Saudi kings maintained political balance, and this is exactly what I was talking about, by doling out vital power positions to separate, carefully chosen successors, positions such as the defense minister, interior, the head of the National Guard. Today, Mohammed bin Salman controls all three of those positions. That's foreign policy, defense, oil, and economic decisions, as well as social changes, are all now in the hands of just one person. And this was also important because the rise happened with, and you've heard this term if you pay attention to sports, the Saudi Arabia Public um, Investment Fund, right? The PIF. Basically, it is its way of taking the petrodollars that it is accumulated and being able to recirculate it because they don't have enough within their own economy to to help themselves, right? They, They would actually hurt themselves. And what have they done, right? They've gone out and... They've invested in cultural things and sports, right? They're the owners of Newcastle United, right? Right now in the EPL, um, they're looking to own, you know, all sorts of different um, entities so that their money is not tied up just there. It's tied up in other assets, and they can continue circulating the money. But it says here that the rise of MBS was backed by the Public Investment Fund, a fund co- compromise of. Tri- uh, comprised of trillions of dollars supplied by globalists within the Carlyle Group. And one of the groups of people involved in the Carlyle Group are the Bushes. 
you got your Goldman stacks, you've got Blackstone, BlackRock, all these people are invested in and in working with the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia, Pat. Okay. He also supports the vision from Goldman Sachs and BlackRock and others for the uh, vision for 2030. Okay. And that's really a plan that dismantles uh, fossil fuels and that type of based energy. Okay. The also an implementation of carbon controls. We're not even just talking about carbon credits, right? We're talking about literally controlling carbon. The head of Saudi Arabia backing the eventual end of oil-based energy. Now, this also means the end of the petrodollar, which means who has a use to use the United States dollar as a currency? In exchange for their cooperation, the Saudis are being given access to ESG-like funding, as well as access to AI advancements and so-called digital economy. What do we know? That we're looking at digital currency here in the United States of America right now. And we're not talking about Bitcoin or those types of things that are outside of government-controlled currency. We're talking about government-controlled currency like they have right now in China. And what does that mean? The government literally will have access to everything that you do, say, buy, sell, trade, unless you're bartering for something, right? I'm, I'm going to give you this part because I need this part, right? I have an excess of this and I'm going to give you this. Outside of that, they're going to know everything you do, say, everything, okay? It sounds crazy, But think of the AI developments that are going down the road, right? And with AI, Pat, not just chat GPT and, and all the hilarity that we've seen over the last couple of weeks and the buzzwords that, that or the buzzword that that's become. We're going to talk about it a little bit later this week, but I want people to think about this. What would be the need for the US dollar if you in Saudi Arabia can just use AI to improve your own health, right? To improve the health of your people, right? To improve the prosperity of your people and do all these things. You have no need for the prop that is the United States dollar. Suddenly you have the power. Saudi Arabia, right, the, the king, okay? Mohammed bin Salman at the World Economic Forum for the first time signaled they would be willing to dump the United States dollar as the petrodollar meaning they would be willing to accept any currency. And if that is the case, we hold no power on a global scale anymore. And that's not just dangerous to or different for us. It is dangerous for us. And it goes back to one of our other truth or fictions from this month, by the way, the last day of this month. Um, it goes back to another one that we had talked about, Pat, in, and uh, does our national debt matter? My argument there was that it has never mattered in terms of how our politicians view it. Now, what what would change that, right? The change right. of that, and I always say this, is when we are no longer the world's currency, when we are no longer the thing that holds value for everybody in the world, right? When that happens, that $31 trillion now becomes $91 trillion or 120 trillion or at 10x is to 311 trillion dollars you think that matters yeah yeah that matters what happens when we are no longer 
the petrodollar, the unleashing of our full force of inflation. We've been lucky to not necessarily feel all of the brunt of the inflationary pressure that should have been there. Okay. We we did not see the the insane, you know, not just devaluing of currency, but we didn't see the insane response of, you know, millions upon millions of jobs being lost and this and that, like you're normally going to see with a recession, right? Or or inflationary pressure. We didn't see it largely, largely because this recession and inflationary period happened because of government action. It didn't happen as a response to economic pressure. It happened because the government had been doing what? Trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars into the economy over and over again over a short period of time and never taking any of it back. They they weren't pulling the levers. They were just literally pressing the gas to the to the floor, if you will. Now, pull the rug out from our petrodollar status and what happens? It becomes an inflationary period for the dollar once again. And what is our response? We have trillions more dollars than we already need in circulation, right? We still do. What happens when suddenly the value of our dollar goes to 45 cents to a dollar? Like I said, you better hope that this is fiction. So with that being said, Pat, um, let's get to your second truth or fiction. Truth or fiction, Joe Biden will end the code emergency on May 11th. Well, he's first of all, this is truth because he said it. Um, he's already said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said it yesterday. Now, the other part of this is I have I actually believe this will be something that ends much sooner than that. Because we've already seen the Senate at 62. They need 65, right? So you just have to peel three other Democrats off of that. Um, so why May 11th? Right. What, what What's the big deal with that? Yeah, I don't I don't know. It, it seems like a pretty arbitrary date. My guess is that it's, you know, giving them the time to adjust their standards or whatever on a governmental level. OK, so that's May 11th. But you've got the 62 votes in the Senate already. Kevin McCarthy said he's going to press the president to to do this faster. So you're likely to have a lot more votes in, in the uh, House, by the way. Uh, in support of this. So you, you've got pressure from the legislative side of things and they could just simply end it if they want. They, they've already passed the le- legislation. So let's, let's veto proof that legislation and the cover that, that comes with three or four other Democrats coming off of this is that, Hey, the president has already signaled that this is going to end. Why not end it right now? Right? There, there's no political harm in those three or four people that will put them over that veto proof uh, threshold, right? There's no mm-hmm. harm. They're mm-hmm. they're not, not going to do any more damage to themselves um, at all. So, I I honestly think this is truth because he said it. Number one and number two because I firmly believe the legislative pressure will be applied. Hey, if you really don't do this, we will do it for you. So I'm actually going to say fiction, but but I'm saying fiction because I believe it'll happen sooner than May 11th. <clears throat> um, so just taking the statement at face value. However, some part of me wants to say fiction on on this end too. Of yes, I get that we have legislation legislative pressures on this. 
But some part of me thinks if they can keep the emergency going, they will. Mm, okay. So, I, be, it, but it, it's here's uh, here's the the rub with this. I mean, there's hardly anybody who is following most of this crap anyway. Right. And at some point in time, you have to look towards the 2024 election. And at some point in time, right, you have to be able to put this in the rearview mirror of the people. And what I mean by that is that you can't have this hanging out there as a cudgel for Ron DeSantis or whomever that's, that's to a attack. Fair point. That's a fair point. So I, I, I think, I think this is true nine times out of 10. Um, unless something absolutely crazy happens between now and May, which is totally possible, I just don't see how how this doesn't. And, and in fact, I'd be shocked if this didn't end by the end of February. At this point, I, I just don't see how you do that. Now, the the argument that could be made from a health perspective is that this is supposed to be the end. That would be about the time where the flu season would end, right? It's around right. the end of April. Right. So maybe that's where they're going with this, right? Uh, let's keep it throughout flu season and, and see what we need to do. Maybe I can make a health argument for that. Maybe. But but you never do a state of emergency for the regular flu season, never. So there's the other rub on that. Yeah, right, I, with, I think I think if ahead. I'm them, I'm looking at probably mid-March, mid to end of March. Um, yep. And it, it's going to depend on, like you just said, the, what, what are the flu levels like? And if the flu levels are still high, they they might they might take that into April, beginning of May. Yeah, and and yeah. they'll use that as cover. Uh, right. Let's be clear; right. they don't care about that number because they mm -hmm. never have before, and they never will again. Uh, but with that said, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show? Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And if anything that we've learned today, get your house in order. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. Always make sure to eat all of your meals. And as always, Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.